1: I don't know about you, friends, but I think these transfer rumors are trying to test our resolve. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. It's getting to that point of the window, isn't it? We're sort of in that weird, um, that weird valley where we've made some moves, but not as many as we need to make. The dominoes haven't all fallen, and now. There's a little bit of panic and desperation seeping into some of the conversation. And the rumors reflect it in the sense that I think uh, all of our usual favorite media outlets that like to cover this stuff have gone in gone in on us. They've said, oh, I got a rumor that's really going to put them on edge. I'm going to link them to someone they've never heard of before. <laughs> all right, here we go. We're going to tee it up. And then everybody goes crazy. So we're going to discuss a few rumors. We're going to discuss, um, I think, the timing of the season today. Which hopefully will make some sense when we actually get into the topic. Maybe finally get Clive talking about five subs. I don't think he wants to. He's never expressed that he wants to, but I'm going to see if I can tease something out of him. I will mention just briefly there is a rumor in the ether that may or may not relate to Arsenal that will not be covered, will not be discussed. We just cannot do it. If that changes, obviously we will, but I hope everyone can understand that. And so with that, I would like to welcome Paul's on Twitter at i Hello, Pause. Woohoo! And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Tim, you can find him on Twitter at Stubberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. And I just want to say, congratulations, America. We've been knocked off the front page of of, of the World Papers by what's going on in the U.K., my English friends, you guys have done it. You've you've one upped us <laughs> with what's going on with your democracy. So, congratulations to you as we as we get a break from being <laughs> lampooned globally. So, thank you for that, Clive and Tim. Uh, we we really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah,
2: we've uh, we've finally done it, shall we say? Does that, yes, <laughs> yes. Or <yeah. laughs> well, not Turn before no time. time. Fair play. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I, in- I hereby resign. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the trendy thing I hear. Um, hang up, but hang around for a bit, though, Tim. You know, stay in charge and just sort of like you know pop around and <laughs> you know, do what you like, mate? Have some fun with it.
1: Yeah. Well. Well. So look, I just want to um, I just want to quickly say thank you to Arda. Uh, Arda is a listener and patron who uh, runs a coffee business at boxcoffee.la, B-O-X-X, Coffee. Dot La, And he just sent me some coffee. And it's absolutely fantastic. Like, it's, it's really, really fantastic. So I said, you know what? I'll at least mention it on the podcast. He's like, well, here's a promo code, Arsenal Vision. So if you want some of his fantastic coffee, a listener, a fan, a patron of this podcast, and someone who makes great coffee, you know, you get it. It's fresh roasted and uh, with a date on the bottom telling you when it to start to grind it up and have it. And if you want to try it, it's boxcoffee.la, B-O-X-X, coffee.la. Thank you, Arda, very much. Okay.
0: Well, that's, so, that's very nice for you, Elliot. You got some free coffee. That's that's very nice yeah, for you.
1: Yeah, you'd be stunned, Paul, at how much free stuff gets sent to me that I, I don't send to you guys. I don't tell you about. Um, I, I don't indicate that it's happened. Um, mostly behind the scenes, I just complain about how much time the podcast takes up and how little I get in return for it. But now you know I'm getting free coffee. Okay, um, it's a joke. All jokes. All jokes. Today we got to keep it light. We got to keep our spirits up. And one of the reasons we got to keep our spirits up is we have been linked. That's right. We have been linked to. It says here, Eden Zagrova and Paul. Mm -hmm. I'm not
0: prepared to believe it. I am curious if you are prepared to believe it. (laughs) I I think it's like Boris Johnson's ministerial appointments. These rumors come, and then as soon as they arrive, they are denied, leave the building, say they never heard of us, which is (laughs) ironic because we've never heard of them or the journalist from, no offense, uh, haven't been reading Mm -hmm. the Bosnian Express. I mean, to uh, be fair, if anyone would know,
1: uh, um, he is – you know, I think he's a, uh, from Kosovo. And yeah. I think that the, the journalist is knowledgeable, obviously, um, yeah. of the player and, and of the circumstance. But, like, it doesn't make any sense, does it, Paul? It's not a it's not a move that fits any need I can identify.
0: So is it, this is the chap from Lille, right? The winger from Lille? Yes. Yes, 23 years
1: old. I think he played about 500 minutes. Apparently, we were following him when he was at Basel. Yeah. But, like, he's just... There's just not much there. Yeah. And literally, I mean, he has
0: hardly played. Yeah. And like when I said Bosnian, it's because the tweet said the journalist was Bosnian. It's not because I don't know my Balkan. No no problem. We're we're all learning in real time here. My Balkan geography is up to snuff. Um, Yeah, look, he hasn't played very much. You know, he has some YouTube highlights that I've seen. Uh, You know, his highlights are tasty enough. But they're short. They start going into, you know, you know, when they head into training videos, what he done and under (laughs) 21 stuff on a pitch with with the two managers from either side. And the manager's wife shows up with a a flask of tea because it's cold and a sandwich. And those are the three people in the stadium. So there's some of that video as well. Uh, Look, he looks kind of not exactly the top level. You're telling me (laughs) he might be. Uh, but, yeah. but it doesn't have the hallmark of, um, you know, it doesn't have that NFT blockchain, you can trust this quality. Uh, <laughs> it, Michael Owen did say he guaranteed the guy's performances. Um, Look, well, you know, who knows? But uh, I, it certainly sent shivers through Arsenal supporters with the Lille Winger link, which is probably a little harsh. Um, we're still recovering from the last one. And, oh, there are Leo wingers that we would have been very fortunate to
1: get.
2: Yeah, it's just yeah, not yeah.
0: how it turned out for us. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really have that effect, but or rather, it didn't have that effect on me. But it had that effect on plenty based on the Twitters, which you can trust in terms of reactions. So I don't know. I, you know, we do need a forward. Uh, we need a midfielder. And we need a defender. So yeah. uh, I guess rumors are going to keep cranking till we nail down one in each section, um, and then we'll see how greedy we get. So, yeah, I guess the rumors will keep coming. I, I mean, I guess the yeah, question I, is, is there a better forward-linked rumor at the moment that's out there? Than, than Zagrova? Yeah.
1: I mean, literally, any linking us to not buying a player would be better. <laughs> look, here's the way I look at this, right? And, and I get that there are going to be some people like, I don't get it, he looks fine on YouTube, and, like, he, he did okay at Lille, and, like, I sort of put it this way. He's a 23-year-old who's never really broken through. He had 1,600 minutes once in his career at Basel, and other than that, he's hardly played. And that doesn't mean he can't be good. But I think we would all agree. Our store, if you want to think of Arsenal as a store, right, we are overstocked in talented young forwards who still have to prove themselves. Saka might have graduated out of that group, but we got Saka, we got Nketiah, we got Smith-Rowe, we got Gabriel Martinelli, we got Marquinhos. I mean, like, it does. the thing this club needs is one more 24-, 25-year-old with pedigree to step in and be ready to play important games. The last thing we need is another punt. Now, you can say, look, at 11 million, who cares? And there is some argument to say, if you acquire a lot, you know, if, if you get a lot of shots on goal, as they say, right, If if you acquire enough cheap talent that you think you see something in, you don't need all of them to hit. You just need one of them to hit or a couple of them to hit. And we have had decent luck with that because Martinelli hit and Ganduzi hit and, you know, obviously didn't end the way we might have liked it. And like, so maybe there's something to be said for that. But from a squad building standpoint right now, we're we're in the opposite position of needing young, unproven talent. We, We need the entering prime proven guys, more of the Jesus type buys. We all, by the way, already bought Vieira. Who's more in the sort of, borderline one for the future one but Marquinhos definitely in that category and i'm not i'm not sure that another one fits the bill for where we're at in our process clive i mean i I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this because i don't think it's particularly real but i guess there is the angle of just this as a strategy i mean do you buy into the idea that more shots on goal is always good if you want to buy young players cheap Always do it, or is this just one, one more than we actually need?
0: And also, what is the profile for a forward right now in terms of age and ability? And like, because he's got, if This he's ain't comp-
1: it, Paul. This ain't it.
0: Yeah. This guy has no experience. He's not very good. Who, who would you put <laughs> as the competitor back up to Saka? You know, what age, what skill level probably needs to be scoring goals for somebody, but who'd come in to compete with Saka, I guess is the question. Yeah. Clive, yeah. What
1: is
2: the so? I just, I just give you my thoughts. <laughs> Funny enough, when the name came up, you know what I do? I go straight to YouTube. Straight to YouTube. And his I name, see. his name came up about three, four months ago as an Arsenal link, yeah. and I thought, ah, oh, I remember watching the same video that I was three quarters of the way through popped up. I thought, okay, I remember you. So I thought, okay. Uh, there's a rumor out there for Fabrizio for whatever his name is sort of said that there's an Arsenal player that they're working on that no one knows of the next day this comes out and everyone's linking the two together right so um so very, the only thing i would say is if we are going to replace Saka i don't know who it's going to be if it's this but it needs to be somebody that plays this level of intensity and it needs to be an intense sprint. Just to so
1: we're clear, so people don't freak out, Clive. When you say replace, you mean when he's like Sorry. subbed off or not
2: playing? Ro- thank, <laughs> thank you for pulling me up. <laughs> that gave right, me heart but, <laughs> but at the moment, we, when Saka's not on the team sheet, we, we all cry ourselves to sleep, right? So that needs to change. And the only reason, the only player that can remotely do what Saka does is probably Marcelli, but he's a right footer. So we have nobody that mirrors him. We have two on the left. We have two at center forward. We have one on the Right assuming that pepe is out of the building right so so we do need somebody that plays off the right can probably plays both sides with a sprinter's technique right so he's a definite sprinter he can definitely do the old chop inside and shoot and all the rest of it And he plays a level of intensity and pressing ability so i, I look at it profile wise and say that's interesting then you look at the backstory as you guys alluded to arrived from at basel in january and suddenly also looking at it, but also looking at the end of last season so that and I find I always I don't dismiss these type of things so easily, particularly when Leal are involved because we've done a bit of business with them in the past, right? And mm. the wheels of football turn in many different ways, right? And the financials in the past potentially we've we've overpaid for one, underpaid for another. Who knows what the deal is between Arsenal and Lille? So I look at it football wise and say, yeah, I get it. Don't once as I'm still healing from Rafinha. Do I want this is a big sort of reputation drop down? Do you see what I mean? And a cost perspective, and I think we need that level of player to come in to make us all feel confident that we can get the goals that we need. But profile wise and talent wise, looks a very interesting player. Do you want to carry Arsenal Football Club when our superstar's not there? I'm not sure you can. So, um, but I do. I always find players like this interesting to watch. So I'll keep my eyes on it, and it's, it's, it'd be an Arsenal thing to do. Trust me. Don't dismiss it 100. percent
1: yeah, and to be clear, like, the player might be talented. Here's the thing I want to say to people are like, he looks good in YouTube. He could be very talented. How do you know? Like, I don't. Every player could be very talented. Reese Nelson could be better than this guy. Every player who has arrived at the top level of football at 23 years of age is very talented and could wind up being very good. The question is, where are we in our development and what do we need? Because... We're developing Smith Rowe and we're developing Gabriel Martinelli and presumably we'll start developing Marquinhos and we're developing Vieira and we're developing Sambi Laconga and we're developing Saka, although he may already be developed if you want to look at it that way. And you got all of that up front, Eddie and Kedia. We literally have, if Pepe leaves, one player I'd regard as really a senior established player and it's Gabriel Jesus and you just arrived. And so you're going to say to me, let's add another maybe could be good let's develop him player who just turned 23 by the way so he's not like a kid he hasn't ever really established himself although I, I get that he looks like he might have something about him it just feels like the wrong piece at the wrong moment yeah. um, you know 11 to total say, starts between Basil and Leo this season yep yeah. mm-hmm.
2: right. as you were talking earlier I just got Patrice's ever words going from my mind that Arsenal are finishing Uh-oh, school that's never good yeah and oh, they're finishing, finishing school, school yeah. mm-hmm. and it, it, it always bothered me that did and at some point you see this is this is partly our issue as well and let's be honest right when we had Rafinha on on the hook um, we're all saying what are we doing that for why are we spending that money on, on somebody who might not play right and then when we have somebody that probably not experienced enough well he's not experienced enough so it comes to a point we need to adjust our mindsets and say we've got to be happy with good players in the building because we can't do it with kids you know what I mean and unproven talents all the time Let's not be too clever. But let's be comfortable with a 25-year-old costing $55 million as well. You know, we've got to be comfortable with one or the other. And for me, it's time to yeah. get serious and put a 25-year-old in our team because we spent a lot of time watching this project develop and Jam Tomorrow won't work for everybody much longer. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, there may be people screwing at me, Tim saying like, you're the one who's always talking about age curves and you're always talking about, you know, like needing to get potential and buy players that you can sell for more later. And like, yeah, of course, but every strategy has like guidelines around it. And, (laughs) and you, you have to be thoughtful about how you're doing it, right? Like the strategy can't just be, we'll buy 50 18 year olds, nor can it be, we'll buy a couple of 70 million pound 30 year olds. Like there has to be some thoughtfulness. And so, I want to go on record as saying I don't think this is particularly true. I'll also go on record as saying if it winds up being true, I'm not even saying the player can't wind up being good, although I'm somewhat skeptical. But what I am saying is you reach a point where you have a number of players that are in that pre-prime still developing stage such that you no longer really need to address that aspect of your squad anymore, not to mention that they're like you know, registration rules and homegrown requirements and things like that to always be mindful of. So, Tim, whether or not this rumor is accurate, do you think it's fair to say that we're at the point of the process now where it's, it's big club time, right? It's add those 25, 26-year-olds who make this look like a grown-up team and not, you know, a, an academy team.
3: Yeah, definitely. The, the the thing that doesn't make that makes this rumor not make sense to me is is the Marquinhos signing because surely that's the kind of that's the young young punt have to be careful about how i say that no slip of the tongue there (laughs) (laughs) um otherwise might end up sounding like clint eastwood actually um (laughs) but um but yeah like so it it doesn't make an awful lot of sense and and look i know there aren't a lot of hafenias on the market so i know i know it's perhaps it's it's difficult to say well how could but i don't know like how do you go from a target like hafenia to a a target like a, like this guy, unless you're really convinced, like, cause it doesn't have the smell of a kind of, we think this guy's going to be the next big thing. Otherwise he wouldn't be down the list, you know? Yeah. So that, that in and of itself makes it a punt. Right. And we've already kind of taken one of those in, in this position this season or uh, this summer already. So that, that's why it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and I think um, you know to the to the to the point that Clive was making as well. Like in terms of our our front three, really, yeah, it needs to be more of a front six. So we we know Inketi has been promoted, so that's Jesus and Nketiah. Um We already had like quite a good situation with Smith Rowe and Martinelli. Uh, we got two guys pretty equal there for the left wing. It is that right wing piece. It is the fact that pepe isn't really doing it and and actually one of the um one of the other questions i'm actually quite interested in is with the kind of half in your links i was thinking like so there's a part of me that's thinking look at what like spurs have done for example right they've got four really good top class forwards for three positions and there's a richarlison gives them a bit of fluidity in there but I, i i can't remember who it was i know it's um I know it's some people who listen to this podcast, um, but I saw uh, like a good discussion on my Twitter timeline last week about how we kind of assume that Saka is a right winger, is a right winger, is a right winger. And uh, I I saw it put that maybe he's just playing there because like Pepe really hasn't been good enough. Maybe that spot was just vacant and maybe there is another plan for Saka, you know? And, And actually I'd be... I'd be quite inclined to believe that, that if we'd gone for Mm. Hafinha and got him, that what we might well have seen is, like, Hafinha on the right and Saka in that left eight role. Like, I I, I really could have seen that, Um, to be honest. Like, I, I, I do think that that's a really good point. Is Saka just playing on the right because we definitely think that's his position or is it just because... There's no one else to play there and he can play anywhere. Um and, and you know the, the link this link really doesn't doesn't make you think that this guy's gonna like disrupt the team like that. Um, you know, like like what we need is goals, right? That that's what I think we were going for, more threat and it's something we need now, not in a few like not in a year or two.
1: Yeah, and I'm inclined to to also note that if you're someone who says I don't really care what we spend 11 million pounds on, like I sort of get it, but I think the extent to which we've kind of put that in the chump change category is wrong, and I I do think we need to be the kind of club that is thoughtful about every 11 million pounds we spend, um, given that we can't seem to sell anybody for even a pound. So you know, it's um it's something to consider, Paul. Uh, let's go beyond the 20-minute mark on Eden Zagrova rumors, <laughs> which I thought would take, I mean, candidly, maybe three minutes. So, yeah, wh- what do you want to say on this that hasn't been said yet? <laughs> uh, it's
0: really about Saka and the fact like... Oh, good. Better. The, the, Thank the you. The one thing we all agree on is we need another attacker and we need more goals. Um, and, like, I, I agree with Tim in terms of there's mileage in this Saka left eight position uh like i think we all know we can all see it in our mind that would work but it is amazing how much uh airtime that gets uh, and again i'm including me in this I, i'm i'm wondering why why i think there's so much mileage in that because he did it for what 30 minutes against spurs when we went down to 10 men and he hasn't done it in a long time but of all the guys who, who, if you like, have tried out in that spot, we've seen a bit of it from him in one game. Um, and we know he can do anything. Um, and it solves the Rafinha question. Why Rafinha? But, mm-hmm. I, I, like, we do, it does come up quite a bit, and I wonder if there's real mileage in that. And I, personally, I think Vieira uh that's why he's here if any if any of our existing players are here um and the rafinha thing's really interesting because i think they were looking for an out and out duelist that classic positional play of a guy who goes 1v1 and embarrasses his fullback time and time again to to create overloads on that side i do think it's a really interesting conversation and there's a lot of Intellectual puzzling about the sack at left eight, and yet we've really never seen it. We just know it would work, Um and it answers some other quizzical things. But there's no, there's no data there, really, is there? I, I mean, I might be wrong, but there's the Spurs, yeah, the Spurs game and beyond City, that, one. City
2: away a, a while back, the one niler. Yeah, uh, he played there, and um hey, look, it doesn't take much superb football analysis to work out. The kid can play almost anywhere, apart from a like, half and an in goal, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I guess he, it's
0: seeing if there's the intent there from the team, the coach. You know, we haven't actually seen the the manager show his hand that that's actually the way he's leaning. So we're kind of. I projecting. think
2: I this is my little feeling, and I, I hear what Tim's saying. I sort of I, I get it. I've always had this thought that I also have a positional plan for him, and that positional plan will underpin his contract negotiations. And I think he's going to want to be more central. I, I honestly feel that. I know we don't need it at the moment, but I, I've always thought he could play the Odegaard role he, better. You know, I really think that, and, and different. Should I say not better, different? And so he can play that role. He can play the eight role. He can play left wing. He grew up as a left winger most of the time, always left side. He scores really well on his left foot from his left channel. You know, better he does with right foot from the. Sorry, left foot from the right channel. I think he's got more accurate shot there. Rafinha, I, I know I said to you other, last week, that that really disappoints me, that does. That really opens up so many options. It really does. Forget the player and his ability. The possibilities is what I feel disappointed about. Yeah. Uh, if, that, if that doesn't work out, I think the possibilities yeah, are do. just endless. The age, what he does on and off the ball, it's just like, oh, man. That would have really given us a lift in confidence, but hey, he's probably done. work great right I mean two on.
0: ways. He he would have he would have given us all sorts of options.
1: Yeah, well, so Clive, is there <clears throat> now that we can thankfully sort of move the conversation forward? I mean, is there a rumor floating around now that that does pique your interest? I mean, I guess there was some ridiculous stuff on Twitter, as there always is year round, but especially during transfer time that. There was a Tesla in a parking lot at Arsenal that was Lissandro Martinez's agent. And, you know, if you're in the desert and someone offers you a drink, you take it. So people ran with that. Um, there's been some Sergei Malinkovic-Savage links, and I know that's a player that you're excited about. But it does feel... You know what it feels like to me, Clive? It feels like we're in the part of the transfer window where the easy deals got done. The deals that clubs were working on a long time that they already had 80 90% of the way done got across the finish line, they're done, right? Holland to City, Nunez to Liverpool, um, Jesus to Arsenal, Richarlison and Basuma to Spurs. You, know, you can go through it. The deals that, that were in the pipeline went through the pipeline and they're done. And now we're in that period where the harder deals are floating around. Maybe the clubs are less sure it's the move for them or the club they're negotiating with is harder to deal with or you know the 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 player hasn't made a decision yet on where they want to be, or there's dependencies you know interdependencies of well, we'll sell you this player, but only if we get this player we're looking at. So do you think the issue now is that we're in that stage of the window that these are the harder deals to get done and and maybe we have targets, but it's less clear that we can we can execute them.
2: Yeah, so I just Not Execute rattled.
1: the targets. Execute on the plan. If you
2: know. Yeah, I just rattle for the three of them, right? So <laughs> yep. Tielemans is the one I, I've I've got a little bit of emotional investment in. I, I just think he's a good player, and I think the deal looks right. The age is right. He has a level of authority. He can play both ways, and he's instant passing with good pace of and banging shots, just flipping, do it right. We need that authority in our midfield. Just do it, right? So that one I, I like. Uh, Sergei Malinkovic Savic He's just my, he's my Halle Berry player, right? I really like her. I'm not going to get her. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just like really nice football. I don't know. I don't know what he is. I don't think he even fits us. Just that if you look at the, if you look at the u you just can't turn away. He's just nice. He's just a nice footballer. Do I see him fit in Arsenal? I think he's more of a progressive running the box and Ramsey type arriver. You know, and um, but really smooth on the ball when he's deeper. So I I like him. I can't see him. I can see Tielemans. Do you know what I mean? I, I can see him. And I can see Lissandro Martinez as an inverted fullback, as we all spoke about before. Um, is that the role he wants? Don't know. Tactically and on the ball, he suits all the hipsters, where way he pings it left, right, and in the centre, progressive passes. Looks really, really good. I have a little doubt about size and physicality. But don't have any doubts about him on the ball time from the Dutch League let's see how people move when they come from Dutch League come to the, the Premier League if those movements are still that devastating do you get a separation so I have a little doubt there so for all those three signings mate Tielemann seems to be in the pocket we've you know we've heard little rumors ourselves I would like to see it done before we go to America I want to I think that'll that will lift us it's something that's been in the post for a while so post a letter get it done and get him going to America and I think it'd be really useful And much like Rafinha, I think he provides options. He can play six, he can play eight both sides. And I like options and possibilities.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I guess, Tim, the, the issue of what we need to do and the priority with which we need to do it are two different issues, right? Like there's, I think it's sort of clear what we need. What the priority is seems to be a difference of opinion among people. But given that moves like Rafinha and Lisandro Martinez, which look exciting, and I'm not gonna say that they're, they're they're done, they're gone, but they look harder now and maybe are gone, the Tielemans one is the one that keeps coming back to me. It's like, look, we can get him. The fee's not bad. The player seems to want it. The club seems to be able to do it. He fits a need that we can all identify. And he's somewhere between a really good solid Premier League player and maybe a very, very good one, entering his prime and you know, really ready to contribute right away. And while there are players you want to go get who maybe you think can absolutely go nuclear and take you to another level, and maybe a Rafinha fits that profile, hopefully a Gabriel Jesus does. You know, we we all know signings we've made to try to take us there. Some have worked, some haven't. You do have to get the players that are just really good, regular contributors to your team. You need that. Um, and I think Tielemans is somewhere between that and something better than that. So does that strike you as the move that, like, you know, and again, I can say don't overthink it, Arsenal, and then they could pull something exquisite out of the bag that's way better than that. But that one feels like one we can just do. We can have it done in time for him to have a preseason with us and be a better club, be a better team this this season. So how do you feel about that move? Because that's the one I would just be getting done at this point.
3: Yeah, I I think my theory is here that um, basically between uh, Martinez, Hafinha. And um, and Telemans, that maybe we can only do two of those. Maybe we've only got the budget for two. And I've got a feeling maybe Tielemans is third on that list. You know, which which is not to say awful. Don't want him. You know, like really good. Be more than happy to uh, you know quote unquote end up with him. Mm. But that effectively, if we could, we'd do Martinez and uh, Hafenia. Now, I th- I think the Hafenia thing feels a bit. Um, Simpson's analogy and coming, um, it's a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good as Homer <laughs> runs after <laughs> you've,
2: the you've sucking pig. You hit your
3: quota. <laughs> <hit your> <laughs> um, you know, and it, I think it's very, very obvious that he's waiting for Barcelona to the point that it almost feels like not really worth doing it anyway even if barcelona can't rustle up the cash because it always to me it always just feels it always just feel those signings always just feel a little bit wrong like when someone clearly clearly wants another club more and then they kind of just settle on you i don't know like Maybe we do it, and you ask me this time next year, and he scored fifteen goals. Then I'd feel differently about it. But do you know what I mean? Like I I sometimes feel, and I I don't think that's just like a pride thing, because I'm not naive enough to think that every footballer in the world wants to come to Arsenal um, as their first choice or anything like that. A bit
0: like Clive and Halle Berry. I mean, he's not (laughs) with Halle Berry, but he's happily married, and he said his wife was decent.
3: (laughs) Well. uh, (laughs) exactly go. just here we a, go a, a ringing endorsement <laughs> I've, just, I've just been buried live on the podcast <laughs> he's just been highly buried alive on the podcast don't,
1: don't worry i'll edit it out clive oh wait we don't edit the podcast sorry mate
3: <laughs> but but you know like i'm sure we've signed a lot of very good players over the years for whom like arsenal wasn't absolutely strictly their first choice but like when it's this obvious sometimes i think it does feel a little bit, mm, yeah. Um, but then again, you know, having said that, like I said, I I would still prefer uh, another scorer, uh, another another player that creates threat in this team. Um, but but yeah, that, that's my read on it, Elliot. That Arsenal have got these three quite firm targets and think that they can probably only do two of them, and uh maybe just letting the Telemans one hang until one of the other two is definitely dead.
1: Yeah, well, 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 <laughs> well said. Um, by by the way, like I, I do think Paul that there's you know there's still a lot to do. I mean i i I, f- I feel positive about what we've done so far, but looking at the landscape around us, I do feel there's a lot to do. And this is where I wanted to sort of transition the conversation to a bit. You know, last season there was the joke. Oh, the first everyone knows the first three games don't matter. The first three games don't matter, right? Because the first three games were terrible, and the less said about them, the better. And Some of that was down to a COVID crisis, but some of that was down to us not getting the business done in time. But it was three games. There are five Premier League games in August this season. Five. And there are five games in which we have, I think, the opportunity to be favorites or slight favorites in every single one of them. It is a massive opportunity to put points on the board in a season that will be stopped midway through for a World Cup and really feel like we're in the thick of things. It is also a massive opportunity to come out of August needing to play catch-up, having had a reasonably easy period of our fixture list behind us. You know, last season, it wasn't just that we lost three games. Sure, we lost to Brentford away. The other two were Chelsea and City. We could have had all our players in and lost those anyway. These are games we want to be picking up points. I usually am inclined to say, you know, Transfer windows aren't like supermarkets. You, you kind of have to get what you can get, and it can't always be done before the season because, unfortunately, the windows open until the end of August. I get it. I think there is immense incentive for clubs to be done before the season starts this season with five games in August, and I think it is, it is sort of incumbent upon the, the club to get it done, Paul. I, I know that's such a like fan perspective. Get it done. Like You could just walk into the store and get it done, but there's too much on offer here in August to not be prepared for it, is my view.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, like the only saving grace last season was it was Chelsea and City in the first three games. Uh, it felt like the end of the world. Um, and in terms of performances, it kind of was the end of the world. But yeah, <laughs> uh, City and Chelsea, it's like, well, that'll happen to a lot of clubs. Um, the The saving grace, I think, here is we can put out a really strong 11. It's just not a an 11 that's going to see it through the season so it buys us a little bit of time uh, but i do agree it's incumbent on us i think uh, uh I, I was pushing you hard to get the GoFundMe fund me to have uh edu pushed out of the club last season for too much barbecuing because i was getting nervous also i saw it as a it cry for barbecuing help. yeah he loves it <laughs> and uh so he's gone a little easier on the barbecuing i'm sure we're working like crazy um, I think this is a huge season, they all are. It, um but like this is the season for me. Uh you gotta capitalize on what we came out of last year from. You gotta make the moves. I, I don't think I don't think this is a big season like other seasons. Time's a tick and these guys with their contracts, you know, it's the old oh he's only twenty two. Before you blink, he's twenty four. And that, you know, a lot of our twenty three, twenty fours are about to be twenty five and beyond, and we'll hold on to them and keep them if we're making the progress, and we need some key players here. Um, but I do think we have a, li- a little bit of time <clears throat> in the sense of better to get the right players, but I wouldn't leave it till the end of the window. I'm surprised on the Telemans one. I think there's a dimension to deals um, that we're waiting on where there is a bit of strategy that we don't factor in. The If we go for Telemans now, Um, we'll attract, say we attract Man United who are watching him too and they go because we're going and we've seen a bit of that with Lissandro Martinez and uh, there's a lot of this registering interest but there's no bid but it seems like everybody kind of know it's coming and we're playing cat and mouse and I'm sure they're aware that there's other potential players on, for example, Tielemans and there's rumors about Man United but it could be somebody else and the sooner you go it's kind of like the the mouse in his hole that darts across the room, knowing there's a cat watching him. It's about picking the right moment. I think there is cat and mouse. Will United? It's
1: my cats. Every moment is the right moment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there are no, those mice are in no peril. Sure, that that's not helpful at all. Thanks, Elliot. Um, and where's the cat and mouse with? It's with Leicester. If they go now, they might end up with a bidding bidding war, and Man United may back off anywhere anyway but we end up paying not 25 and people say well just pay the 30 well it may not be 30 it could end up in 40 or 45 if you get into bidding war and then you got to let them go so i think they're looking for the chips to settle less from say the man united in this deal more from the hey if we're negotiating one-on-one with leicester uh for telemans and with Lissandro Martinez, there's a bit of that. With Rafinha, it kind of went that way too. I don't think we wanted those deals necessarily to happen when they did, but now you got multiple bidders, and now Ajax are sitting on it saying more and more. So, like, there are dimensions we don't see. It's very frustrating, but it's not simply a question of hey, let's just slap down another five million with Leicester and get it done. It won't get done because United can meet match that, and Leicester will say we're we're not happy with five. We you know, yeah. we're not gonna tell you what the number is. And the number may be whatever they can get a market going for. So there's a dimension we don't know with these things. I'm sure it's occurred to Edu and Arteta they'd like these deals done early, but they're not done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um what we're gonna do is we're gonna get a deal done early and let Paul go now. Yeah. Um so he will just um be turning off his camera and his microphone, but you know, in spirit his audio track will still be here so that I have a podcast to put out later. So pause on Twitter. Pause my pants.
3: Woo.
1: Woo. Indeed. Um, Clive, how, how do you feel about, uh, this, this issue? The fact that there is very much, uh, a, a huge prize on offer for Arsenal in August, a lot of points that are gettable if we hit the ground running and ready to go. And the extent to which it is fair as fans to just, bang the table and say, you need to get the business done before the season while recognizing that, like, to to Paul's point, yeah, they get it. Like, I doubt they're sitting there going, nah, if it takes till the end of August, no big deal. It's just five games. Like, I'm sure they're not sitting there saying that, but maybe, you know, how many millions of pounds is every point worth in the Premier League, right? You fin- You finish one place higher, you get a few more millions of pounds. Like, you could probably literally measure the extra million it might be worth to Tielemans or to Martinez or to Rafinha, whoever it is, if it got you three extra points in August. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Because last season, that would have been worth 50 million pounds because we'd be in the Champions League. And I bet you'd be willing to pay a little more then. So how, how do we address this issue that we got to be out of the blocks fast in August, M- maybe more than usual given the points in the month?
2: Yeah, so hands up. I was one of the people that looked at the situation last year and said, it doesn't matter. We're playing the European Champions League finalists and they were buoyant. Chelsea just spent £100 million on Lukaku. They stomped into our place and beat us up. Brentford was a unique situation. We weren't prepared for that game. We had the party injury at Chelsea pre-season game. We were not in shape. We didn't have our signings. We were not ready. And Tim will tell you, there has been many a first games We've not been ready. Right. So this one I dismissed it because we made six signings and yeah, we recovered and we end up being in, in a in a decent place. But you know what? Spurs had three one-nil wins in those first three games. That's nine points. Right? And um and so these points do matter. And people that slapped me around for saying the season didn't start September, I hear what you're saying, but that was last year. This year I feel differently. This year you look at the the schedule, you look at the fact we're starting early. Look at who we're playing, mate. We need to be ready day one. It's imperative we're ready day one. There can be you no know, excuses, as there were previously. We have a we have a a, a transfer a structure in place. Our scouting's in place. We've had time. We know what we're about. Our strategy's clearer. Our playing style is clearer. We, we've laid the base of the cake with the young players. We need to do our work now. We need to be ready on the first game of the season, and um. I have less tolerance for excuses this year, you know from the start. I really do. I think it's important to set us up. We know we've got a break coming in November time for the World Cup, so the season is unique, and you don't want Arsenal fans to be sitting there for for six weeks of the World Cup, and we're like we're you know not started well, and a lot of the teams we could have we're playing in the early phases are teams we should beat, so let's beat them, let's be ready day one and i I'm with you I think it I think it's incredibly important this year. You know, and um, to set a better tone than we have on many starts over recent years, I don't think we've been prepared on or off the pitch for the first phase of the season. So that needs to change.
0: Yeah,
1: well said. Tim, uh, your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, uh, nothing to
3: add to that, really. Um, and, uh, and, and I kind of agree. Makes for terrible podcasting. <laughs>
2: throw it out it there.
3: does indeed. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, because we, we had... With the Brentford game last year, that that was kind of unfortunate as well with the the COVID thing and Arsenal were scrambling to get the game postponed in the hours leading up to it. And you look at our our front three that day, it was Martinelli, Balogun, and who played on it. Was it Pepe? Yeah, yeah. Pepe Saka yeah. started on the bench. Smith wrote number ten. Like, just unrecognisable. Like, I think honestly, we with even if we don't get our business done before the end of august i'm going to say this tentatively i do think we'd be in a better position than we were then which is not to say um yeah which is not to say that it would be all right to to like not have like at least another signing in place by august six but you know that, that was like we introduced four players into the starting 11 like straight away after signing them that's like that's a big change and guys like Kalasenac playing Chambers got like guys who didn't finish the season with us because they were so so you know they had like one one foot and one leg out the door already so I I don't think we'd quite be in that situation and at least we'd have like a bit of continuity and, and look we've sorted the most important position excuse me I think. In the in the centre forward, yes, so I,
1: I think we all agree with that. Yes,
3: yeah, yeah. So I I don't think it would be quite as bad, but at the same time, like you don't. It's the distraction as much as anything else. Um, one of the things I really, really don't like about the transfer window bleeding into the first few games of the season is not even like I'm thinking this much more selfishly than from the team's perspective. Even from a fan perspective, like it takes it makes the games seem secondary. Um, and all of the games are viewed through the prism of the transfer window. And, and and there's a certain amount of justification to that at times, but like, like there was last year, like there was total justification for that. But personally, I hate, that. I really hate that because I want to be like absorbed of, by and involved in the games. I hate how it all becomes dominated by transfers and that's all the managers are asked about. And that's kind of, especially if you need to get shit done, that's kind of all you think about and you feel like you're in limbo. And I, 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 I just really don't like that. Even when, like even when we signed Ozil, like which was, you know, at the time, like really, really exciting. Like it really was for everyone. But I, I I even hated the way we won a North London derby like mm-hmm. the day before that signing, and and the talk was still about potentially signing Özil, which is not um, w- which I completely understand. By the way, it's not I'm I'm not like having a go at anyone for doing that. I just hate that it has the opportunity to happen. That like to, to mean
1: more than the actual football.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I I really wish that they were just completely separate. Um, or at least separated out timeline wise, but obviously it has like a, an impact on the team as well. And I think mm-hmm. what Arsenal's strategy going into this summer would have been would be let's take the low hanging fruit first, which the, that's the part they've done. Then you know the couple of deals we're going to haggle over, and then the season starts. And what I think the position that Arsenal will have set tried to set themselves up for is after like August, or what August is about is then getting people out the door. Mm-hmm. And that that's not Arteta's business. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have to be involved in that in any way, shape or form. That is pure Edu and everyone else. That's like, we know who we want to lose. We know who we need to lose. Go away and do it and I'll coach the team. And I've got my team and everyone else, you know, you concentrate on annexing them because you don't have to coach a team to win games during this time. And, and actually it's been kind of interesting that Arteta... Um, wasn't in any of the photos for any of the other signings bar Mm. Gabriel Jesus which which I take to be quite innocent just because um, like training hadn't started and and things like that Um, yeah and you know maybe he was on holiday or whatever uh, while Edu wasn't but um, yeah like I, I, I think that essentially the idea will be that come August the 6th he has pretty much all of his players in place maybe one um, piece, not, um, but that essentially he doesn't want to be involved, or need, or the the aspiration is for him to not be involved in any way, shape, or form in any transfer related stuff after like the Seville game at the Emirates.
1: Yeah, and and I think the the danger there that you've hit on is like once you get into the point where Mikel is fully doing the coaching, which I guess is kind of starting now as they ride their bicycles to training this morning. Um, He's just got less bandwidth to be involved in the transfer side of things. And there are diminishing returns, right? The more he has to think about transfers and put time into that, the less good it is for preparation. The more his plans for how he wants to set up the team are impacted by moves that haven't been made yet, the less good it is for, for preparation. Maybe there's a player that'd like to try at left eight, but it sort of depends if we get Telemans because he wants to see him in there, right? Like all of these things get better if they're done sooner. And again, we get that it's not just a store you walk into and pick players off the shelves, but there, there is a balance. And, and sometimes just pay an extra few million is easy to say when I have no million. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of millions on the line if you drop three points and you find yourself finishing fifth instead of fourth. So we're thinking about, I mean, it, it, the day starts, you know, the, the season starts with games we can win and how we start the season matters, just like how you start your day matters. And the best way to start your day is with AG1 from Athletic Greens. Ha Hey. Hey, I do it. I do it. Now, the fact that I do it isn't the only reason to do it, but it, it should be enough. Let's be honest. That should be good enough. Um, you know, it's funny. It was recommended to me by my doctor friend uh, Ian before. It was recommended to me by Athletic Greens themselves, and... One of the things that I absolutely love about it is that I can replace all of the stuff I was taking because you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm 90 years old and I had the, you know, the pill cabinet or whatever, which, you know, eventually, let's face it, we're all headed that direction. But I had the probiotic and I had the, you know, the thing for mental focus and I had the thing for, you know, my multivitamin. And now I can just take AG1 and replace it all because it's got 75 high-quality vitamins. It's got minerals. It's got whole force whole food sourced superfoods as opposed to, you know, stuff that's just like lab created probiotics and adaptogens. And so it's easy to take, you put it in 12 ounces of water. It drinks down really nicely. I mean, it's got like a little hint of vanilla, I guess I would describe. Uh, I have some gut health issues, which it's been really helpful for. I think that's one of the things I like most about it for focus and energy. Um, I drink a lot of coffee and I find that I like to drink a lot of coffee still, but as the day wears on, Uh, you know, I definitely think that the AG one is something that helps me throughout the day, uh, without having to go to that cup of coffee after lunch, which is, that's a dangerous cup of coffee to do. A couple of things that you might like about it. If you have any specific lifestyle needs, if you're keto, if you're paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, it's lifestyle friendly. Less than a gram of sugar supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and alertness. Um, It is less than the cup of a fancy price of coffee, a fancy cup of coffee a day, he says, needing more of mine, I guess. And it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Okay? So right now, it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and... Five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, your body's healthy, get your business healthy. The way you get your business healthy is have the best talent, works for Arsenal, works for you. And you do it by going to Indeed, the hiring platform where you can attract, interview and hire all in one place. That's right. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites. That's a silly thing to do. Your time is money. Haven't they told you that? Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. Imagine if Arsenal could do that in the transfer market. Hey, I'm looking for a left eight. Boom, they're the candidates we need. And you only pay if they meet your must-have requirements. One of the things I love about Indeed virtual interviews, leaning into the fact that many people want to work remotely now, and we are in a hybrid work environment. And so the interview process needs to match that because it allows you to find more talent further afield maybe from the home office, people who want to work remotely and who you're willing to hire to work remotely. So, virtual interview saves you time. You can message, schedule interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything. It works right from your browser. After using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time. Again, days just like we need to save days in the transfer market by getting our players now, you can save days with virtual interviews. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to get the uh, to hire great talent fast. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra dollars in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash Wire To learn more, claim your credits at Indeed.com slash wire. Indeed.com slash Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed, Clive? Is that enough of that?
2: Indeed. Nailed it.
1: Clive, five freaking subs, dude. It's going to change the world, and you've been dying to tell us how. I would love to hear how. And and I do think, by the way, this is an area where having some extra youthful talent can be good because you might be able to find more minutes from them. But I do think it puts a premium on having more senior players, because more players are going to get on the pitch, you're going to be able to get more players in when you need them, and having more players that are really ready to contribute right now may be valuable. Because in the past, you might have said, look, Clive, I might have said, I I can't add this 27-year-old, because I've only got... 700 Premier League minutes to give him. He wants more playing time than that. I'm not going to be able to find it. Now maybe you can bump that up to 1,500 minutes with all the sub rules and the fact that we're back in Europe. And so you may be able to add that extra prime age talented player because you you can find more ways to integrate them into your plans, to use them to spread minutes out and keep players fit for that run-in, which obviously would have been helpful last season. So those are just some of the things I see coming down the pike. What's the five
2: sub rule mean to you? Oh, we could do a whole podcast on this, and, and so many different angles, right? But the one that comes to my mind—sum it away, up in
1: ninety seconds, no?
2: so <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of angles, and I'm sure once I start, Tim will, will add on, etc. And we can go again. I hope so. For that's ages. how podcast works. Um, One—I'll give you an angle that's fresh in my mind. Also, I love my rugby, right? So there's a, an England scrum half called Danny Care, and Danny Care is a really sharp scrum half that. He's played about 80 times for England, about 55 of them have been from the bench. Now I've got approximate numbers there. And the reason why, when the game is broken up later on, his speed and ability and quick service is just so beneficial. And he's known as what they call a finisher. And we started the podcast talking about that, that link. And the first thing that jumped off the screen is his intensity and speed. You think, mm, could he be a finisher? Now, I, we wouldn't, we'd look at that transfer link and basically just not dismiss it but we sort of half dismissed it because we see lots of rumours but maybe we'll be looking at players now intense players game changing players players that can make impacts in small bursts and then be, be doubled up on for the whole 90 do you know what I mean I think Vieira and Odegaard can you imagine them sharing a game you know in that slot and what we'll get and I think it opens up possibilities to get maximum output from a position where potentially you've had to carry players in the last 20 because they're a little bit tired, they can't quite get to their game. I think there's so many ways to approach a game now. You can start a game in a certain way, get to half-time, particularly bigger way games, and then say, right, we can go again now, do something else. You can start a game in a, in a three-at-the-back system, for example, get to a period where you have a level of confidence and then say, right, I now know where I need to add my energy. I now want, I now know what they're doing. I can look at them while we're playing not concede and now and then say okay that's where the dope is that's where the weak point is let me attack that with my intensity my speed my pressing you can start games and be really aggressive for half an hour and really blow out your fours pressing wise and then maybe add more structure later on there's so many things you can do depending on the game depending on the game plan on the opposition home and away etc going to a Northwest unique circumstance, going to Newcastle, big crowd, unique circumstance. You can approach games in met with multiple game plans in your mind. And every coach will have his game model based on their own principles. But I think with the five subs, you expand on your game model. Uh, and if you're smart, you can, you can add variations to your game. And I think it's important that we, sh- for me, this is my opinion. I don't know if you guys agree. But it's important we shared the we're the arsehole, we turn up 4 3 3, we do our thing. I think there are times in your year when you are lagging, when you're a bit tired, a player may not be sparkling. There's no harm in looking at a game, there's no harm in waiting for a game to come to you, seeing what it's offering you, and then taking the game in the second half. You know, and I think. It was so interesting to see the maturity and the variation by which Arteta approaches these scenarios. In the five-sub drinks break Arsenal, he was excellent. You know, in that period, he was excellent. He can see a game and adjust. So I'm hoping that continues. And I'm so interested to see the new trends that develop in recruitment and how people approach a game over 90 minutes.
1: I, I, that I agree with. I think it's really interesting. Like, I suddenly woke up today and realized, like, what if Pep's bored? Of like jugo de posicion and and he's changing. I mean, I don't know about Calvin Phillips as 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 a posi- positional footballer. I don't know about Erling Holland as that. Maybe they're changing. Maybe they've got a different idea about how they want to play. You know, it, th- maybe five subs means that teams that use intensity and athleticism wind up having an edge versus teams that use a more technical approach because how many times, Tim, have we been in a game where teams pressing us like mad and we go, if we can just ride this out, you know, we get to the second half, they're going to tire and we can take them. But with five subs, you know, can, can teams, because I mean, you know, five subs, you're changing half your outfield players, literally. Can you freshen it up enough to stay more intense in a pressing structure more? Can you, you know, really put these more technical sides that that try to play uh, a more precision game under threat? By just going at them with with raw PNP baby pace and power for ninety minutes, I, I think that may impact recruitment and maybe impact the way we think about handling games. Do you give team? Do you give players halves more? Right? Do players share games one half and another half and say, "I want you to run your legs off for ninety minutes at this guy, target this guy, and you're coming off at halftime, and then another guy's going to target this guy." So I, it definitely. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk that it favors the big clubs because they have the deeper bench, they have more talent. I think it can favor any club that decides that they want to you know, acquire athletes and use that athleticism to their advantage while keeping it fresh over 90 minutes. I don't know, maybe that's an oversimplification.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I I feel I should invoke the spirit of Paul since he's not here and say that the other team gets to make five subs too. So that kind of will wait till they're tired maybe that doesn't work as well um, exactly. anymore. But but I, I think this is really fascinating and you'll see the personality of coaches more. I think we are seeing it in the transfer market, um, not just because of a World Cup in the middle of the season, but... You know, like like just look at the behaviour of Arsenal and Tottenham in terms of Arsenal were going to go big for Hafinha, like we've discussed a million times. Tottenham spent a lot of money on his Charleston, despite having like a a very established front three. That's not what Tottenham usually do. They wouldn't usually go and spend £50 million on someone who, strictly speaking, might not play every game. Um, And I think a lot of it is because of this idea. And, And I think we have seen this type of thing. And I just think we'll see it more with with kind of three subs. I remember there was a season where Ferguson did this with United where in away games he used to start like Fletcher and Giggs on the wings. Um, you know, Giggs in his mm-hmm. kind of early to mid-30s and so not quite as dynam- dynamic and attacking as he used to be and, you know, positionally very intelligent. Darren Fletcher, you know, a, a bit like Ray Parler for us, like more of a central midfielder. Um, but just, you know, a bit more conservative. Um and then he'd bring on like Nanny um mm-hmm. at halftime uh for Fletcher, for example, or put Flet or take off central midfield. And like he had he very distinctly had for this one season like a, a beginning and a finishing team. Um, And and I think we'll see more and more of that. And some of the players, you know, in that period where we had in the kind of post-pandemic football, when City, for example, really changed the way they played, they really adapted and pressed far less in that like post-pandemic kind of season and and got their league title back doing it. But in in the period when we were like using five subs, I just remember Willock finishing loads of games, for example, because probably not the t- uh, probably not i don't know quote unquote enough of a secure player for 90 minutes but like the game the game's very different in the last 20 to 30 minutes it's much more broken play and so you've got you can have those kind of broken play players um, for that period of the game it 's it 's a bit like um you know obviously the the women 's euros has just started, and um England lionesses for example they 've got they 've got this kind of fascinating thing where they don 't re- they 've got a couple of slightly problem positions um where they don 't have like a starting eleven that makes you go yep, everyone slots into every one of those mm. roles perfectly they 've got a couple of like good players but square pegs in round holes, but what they 've got is they've got they've got their stack with wide forwards basically quick wide forwards and so what happens what has been happening often in their games is for the first 60 minutes or so you you think mm, they don't really have control of this game um you know they're not playing badly but they don't have control control and then they just bring on all these fast wide forwards for the last half an hour and blow people away and um and not what happened last night, but what happened in most of their warm up games and and i th- I think you'll see a lot more of this um you know you might see a game uh, like a team to start the game to contain it um before leaning into the more chaotic period. You might have it completely the other way around you might go chaotic a bit more chaotic a bit more up and atom at the beginning and seek to control the last kind of half an hour or twenty minutes or so i I think we're going to see so much more of this and and like you say it probably does favor the bigger clubs but ultimately to get something like this through f- at least 14 of the 20 premier league teams have to vote for it and they did and that shows you that most of these coaches want this even the kind of the mid-table teams the smaller teams they all want this and i think it's cuz coaches it gives them a bit more control over proceedings basically and if you're a coach probably the most frustrating thing is once I give my team talk all I can really do is shout a couple of things from the sidelines which by the way in a Premier League stadium they're not going to hear anyway so if you're a coach I imagine it's very appealing as well that idea that you've got a little bit more control yeah um over things so yeah I, I think it will make the games um physically different but also it will make them. You know, I, I think we've kind of already moved towards this model of of coaches being very, very influential anyway, and I think this is just a further step in that direction.
1: Yeah, there's definitely going to be some 85th minute subs in Premier League games this season where fans are going, "Who? Wh- who's coming on?" Clive, <laughs> final thought on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, in the end, one of the reasons why I wanted it originally um, was everyone else is doing it. For one, player welfare is a, is a big thing for me. Um, I don't see, we've all just seen uh, our players play the Nations League and then have three weeks in Mykonos and they shoot back at training next week and then off to America again. And it's then, um, and then they're going to play up until the World Cup and then go to another camp, play the World Cup, come back six days later back into the league system again. I mean, it just, you just can't, It can't go on like this, right? As with competing um, FIFA, UEFA, Champions League, we all know the score with the different organisations competing against each other. The way you mitigate that is to reduce minutes, broaden things, look after people. You know, I wonder how many minutes, I could probably should have told you beforehand, but how many minutes has Raheem Sterling played in his football career? He's 26, 27 going to Chelsea, so he's got a <laughs> fantastic footballer. I'm watching his career really closely because he's played a lot of football in his life. Yeah, you know, and um, and I just don't want to see that happen to any of ours. And so that's one thing. And and I think it offers a different um, a different plate of food for us all to watch. You know, I think. It's gonna be so exciting. I don't know about you, but
1: I eat my plate of food. I don't just watch it, Clive. (laughs) You can probably tell that Yeah, A different
2: a different thing for us to watch, you know. And
1: Yeah. And analyze.
2: Yeah, when you have a three subs on the bench and people say, Oh, they're not even using their three subs. Well sometimes you can't. You need to save one for an injury. And so you get two players come on, you've got squad of twenty five. Do you know what I mean? It just it changes everything from the dressing room. It really does. And um coaching angle I, I'm really excited and interested to see how it works and when, to be honest it's not it's not different I mean I think it's the Champions League already got five subs um, all the UEFA competitions have got five subs So we, we see it and I think it's exciting I think it's really exciting what Real Madrid did last year in the Champions League I'm, I'm sure they did And so yeah how they started the team old and finished it young you know and it was really really good so um yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see something new and, um, and also protect our players, which is the most, one of the most important things for me because it's a very short career.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are in that interesting period now where, where preseason's going to start. We've got a game tomorrow. We're going to start analyzing the actual football again. The squad still feels very much up in the air with a lot of work to do. And as those two things start to intersect, I think the anxiety level starts to ratchet up People start to see what's not there when we're on the pitch playing games, even if they're meaningless games. Um, I know Tim considers preseason meaningful, but the rest of us know they're meaningless. So it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to a lot, though. I am still looking forward to a lot with Arsenal in this season. I'm looking forward to taking my Twitter account private when Eden Zagrova wins the Golden Boot. That's going to be a good day uh, leading us to a title. So lots of fun stuff ahead. I think we'll leave it there for now. Um, we will get back in the uh, scouting video game to put the jinx on some things. Maybe get a Malinkovic-Savage scouting video out there in- ensuring that he doesn't come to the club. It does look like Chelsea are just randomly bidding on anyone man United likes or anyone of, of val. I mean, Frankie de Jong now to Chelsea, Ronaldo to Chelsea. I mean... Who knows what's going on over there? But uh, at least they're keeping it interesting for those of us watching from the sidelines. Uh, Tim's on Twitter at Stubirdo. Thank you very much, Tim. My
3: pleasure as always.
1: Clive's on Twitter at PFC. Thanks, Clive.
2: Thank you very much.
1: I am off to Portugal. That's right. I am off to Portugal tomorrow where I will be for three weeks. So we will still be podcasting regularly, both here and on the Patreon side. And if you're not on Patreon, I I hope you'll join us there. I think you'll find that we do a lot of neat stuff there. And there's the Discord, which has a lot of cool info in it. But if you can't do that and don't want to do that, I'm just so glad you're here. So thank you either way. Tim, I am warning you, coming back in three weeks, speaking that Portuguese like a native speaker, man. So (laughs) you're going to get pushed. I, I look forward to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you got anything to worry about. My name's Alex Bithing Black. Me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Transfer window now.